Well, when we got down here, I woke up every night sweating, anxious, worried, fearful. I woke up multiple times throughout the night, worried about what was going on. See, I kept replaying this one moment in my mind. I kept replaying this season of my life, and I just kept waking up anxious and fearful. At every two or three hours, I would wake up, and I just kept replaying this moment, and I began to think, man, is there something that I could have done better, or is there something that I missed this morning? Like, what did I miss in this moment because I really hurt somebody in my life? And so I began to live with this, this shame and this fear and this guilt in my heart. And I don't know if you've ever been there in your life, but it's like your soul is so in turmoil that it's waking you up, that you wake up anxious and worried, fearful. Some of us, our bodies are shaking or we're sweating and just this moment, it just would not leave me. And because I felt shame and guilt over this situation, I hid so much, right? I would avoid people. I would avoid certain situations because, man, I just, I just wanted to forget about it. And for a lot of us, like, that's how we try to heal. We try to forget. But let me just tell you, like, anything you hide away grows, it grows. You can put it away somewhere deep down in your life and you can use all kinds of things to try to help heal your soul and all of this stuff. But let me just tell you, what we hide in the dark grows. And it's generally scarier than what was actually there. And so nothing for me made this better. This went on for months of my life. And then finally, I just thought, man, this is too much. Like, I can't live like this, and so I just need to go and make this right. And so I went to this person, and right there, I confess, I was wrong. What I did was wrong. The way that I treated you in this situation was wrong, and I just want to say I'm sorry. And I don't blame you if you don't want to forgive me or be around me or anything like that, but I'm sorry. And you know what happened? As soon as confession came out between me and this person, as soon as it kind of got out there, I felt this sudden relief. I felt like, man, I, I've been holding this in for far too long. And now that I've actually said it, I've actually gotten it out there, that I, I named it, I kind of turned the light on in my life. Relief came. And there was hurt. And there was these moments where we had to work through our life together but man, as soon as I confessed, freedom began to enter into the situation and healing began to enter the situation. Have you ever felt like that? Like, have you ever been in those moments where you're like, you can't sleep, you're, you're waking up in the middle of the night, you're worried, you're stressed, you feel guilt or shame, you don't know what to do, you don't know what to say, and so you're in this perpetual moment of uneasiness, unsettledness. Some would even call that bondage. That you're just controlled by this one moment and whether it's something that you did or that something that someone did to you. It's just there and it controls you. And maybe like you're in this room and that's you right now. I'm just controlled by this and I don't know what to do in this moment. I don't know how to find this freedom. 
You struggle with forgiveness. You feel lost in a sea of guilt or shame or anger or some of these things. And so today, what I want us to talk about is something in prayer that is almost never spoken about. It's never almost spoken about in our prayer lives. But I believe that when we really understand confession in the act of saying what is actually there, saying how we feel, saying what actually happened, there's healing. There's healing in this place. And it doesn't have to be over the biggest things. It doesn't have to be these huge cataclysmic events. It can be the smallest things. But there's this moment when we acknowledge what went on in our life, what we did or what was done to us, and we confess it, freedom begins to happen because now we're ready to deal with some things. Now we're ready to walk into life and and have this moment. And what I find happens to a lot of us, last week we talked about adoration, about the name of God and praying in the name of God and the power of God and everything about who God is is in his name. We talked about when we pray, do you remember who you're talking to? Do you remember who it is that hears you and who is there? But sometimes when we start confessing and talking about how wonderful God is, we're reminded of how wonderful we're not. Right? Like, you are good and holy and righteous and just and loving in all situations. You are the epitome, the definition of good and gracious and kind. And I am not. And some of us turn off the conversation there. Because we go, man, I'm not worthy. Like, why? I, I can't do this. And for so many of us feel exactly the way that David felt when he was praying. Psalm 24, verse 3 says this. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? This is David, and he's basically saying this. I, I can't talk to you. I can't talk to you, God. Like, who can go to the top of the mountain with you? Who can ascend in these moments and speak to you? I can't talk to you. And for so many of us, because we know like deep down in our heart and in our mind, the things that's been waking us up at night becomes a wedge between us and God because we're not confessing it. We're hiding it. And now we think in our mind, well, who can talk to you? I mean, it was maybe some of you in this room, like those feelings of guilt and shame and fear stop you from talking to people in your life. I can't talk to them. You know what happened? You know what I did? You know what they did? We can't talk. And that same fear, guilt, shame enters into our life and it will dominate us. Now, David is smart. David continues in the next verse and says this, the one who can speak to God, the one who can talk to God, he has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God. This is what David says. He says, who can ascend the mountaintop? Who can talk to God? Clean hands, pure hearts, and they don't bow down to idols. And David goes, not me. It's not me. I know what it takes to go talk to God. And that's not me. And what can begin to happen to us is we can start our prayer life and then we kind of get into it and we go like, I feel like I'm in the wrong room. I don't belong here with you. 
This is even Isaiah when he's caught up in a vision and he goes into the throne room of God and he sees God and he's like, I am a man of unclean lips. I cannot talk. Who can talk to you? You're so different than me and man, I am so different than you. And there's these things in my heart that I'm ashamed of, that I'm fearful of, that I am so hurt by or so angry with. And so I'm hiding, and that hiding causes me to draw away from you. So who can talk to you? See, because I believe that there are really these these kind of positions that go on in our life. But there's a hope here that happens in our life. Look at what the Bible says in 1 John Chapter 1, verse 9, the Bible says, you can, I can get clean hands and pure hearts. You and I can, can walk in and say to God, like, hey, this is how we get cleansing. This is how we get healing. This is how we remove the wedge. Look at what the Bible says, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess. Whoa. A lot of us say, well, God already knows. Yeah, I know. Confession is for you to get it off your chest, not to bring God's awareness to it. God's like, I, I, I know, I was there, <laughs> okay? I saw, I know, and I'm still here, and I'm still around. But what does the Bible say? If we confess our sins, what? He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So let's answer the question for David. Who can ascend the mountain and talk to God? Well, only those of pure hands and pure minds and pure motives, those ones. Oh, 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive of all unrighteousness and we can ascend the mountain. He draws us near and calls us up, but how many of us find ourselves right now in this part of our prayer life and maybe this 21 days of prayer and fasting has revealed this to you. You just, I'm not qualified to talk to you. There's two positions that will pause our prayer life, and it happens back in the book of Genesis. Man, it's crazy how the story of Genesis, fall, rescue, redemption, is just repeated over the Bible. It's like God's trying to tell us a story. Hey, we all fall. Like, you guys fall. But there's rescue and redemption, and one day there will be consummation, and we'll be in the new heaven and the new earth, and we will be back in Eden. But it's the same story. And maybe that should comfort some of us that since the dawn of time, humanity has struggled with this. And so what happens here in the story is if you have a Bible with you, open up to Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to see these two positions played out in the story here. Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 7. Adam and Eve had just had the buffet from you know where. And they had eaten some food that they should not have eaten. And uh, things go bad. They have more than a rumbling in their tummy. They have awakening, right? They had an epiphany. Some of you have had that at a buffet. You're like, I should not be here. All right, so here's what happens. Verse 7, then the eyes of both of them, Adam and Eve, were opened. The veil was lifted. And they realized that they were naked. You're naked. Me too. Uh Uh-oh. Let's get some clothes. And they realized this, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. You cover things when you feel shame. So the nakedness here is not like, whoa, you look good and I look good. It's more like, whoa, there's something going on here. Let's cover up. That's shame. You cover things, hide things that you're ashamed of. Shame entered the story right here immediately. 
As soon as sin entered, they knew it wasn't right. And so they had shame. They enter into this moment of hiding. Then the man and his wife, notice he doesn't use Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of day. And what? They hid, everyone say hid, from God, the Lord God among the trees in the garden. When you're ashamed, you'll hide. You'll withdraw. You'll stop talking. When you feel guilt, shame, fear, these are homies. They roll together. Where one is, there are others, right? And so what happens is this. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Did God know where he was? What's he giving an opportunity to do? Come out. Come out of hiding. Come to me. Well, Adam wises up. He answered, I heard you were in the garden and I was afraid. The first time in the Bible, humans are scared of God. I was afraid because I was naked. I was ashamed. So what did I do? I hid. I hid. And he said, this is God, who told you that you were naked? Who told you about shame? Who told you about fear? Who told you about hiding? Who told you about guilt? Those words that had not come out of my mouth. Who told you this? There's concern. You ever had a kid or your kids come up to you and say something that's not true? Who told you that? That's not true. That's not right. Someone's poisoning your mind. We got to set the record straight. So God says this. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Just a little question. (laughs) This is weird. I didn't remember mentioning this. Did you guys do something you should not do? Huh? You know how your kids go deaf when you like bring something up? Like, did you do that? Huh? I can't hear you right now. Did you do that? No habla inglés, dad. Huh? Did you do it? I'm confused. I feel faint. I am thirsty, right? Like they go, they go through. I'm on a hide. So who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the tree that I told you not to? The man said, he just blame shifts right away. The woman, the one you, you brought her here. Okay, so kind of like you made me do this. Don't we all do that? God, if you hadn't put me in that situation, I wouldn't have done it. If you didn't bring that woman here, I would have been fine. I liked all the other stuff. Right? So he says, look, who told you that you were naked? Well, uh, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Oh. Okay. Did she put the fruit in your mouth? Mm-mm. Did she make you chew it? Mm-mm. She didn't mama bird you, right? Like, you ate, bud. So God moves on quickly. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you have done? What's going on? The woman said, the serpent. Let's get the, let's get the chain right. The serpent did this. And deceived me and I ate. How many of us, this is what we do when things go wrong in our life? We hide. We hide behind other people. 
We hide behind other motives. We begin to hide behind God and say, well, if you didn't put me there, this wouldn't happen. I mean, everybody wants free will until they don't, right? Anyone ever been there? Yeah, just leave me alone. Let me do what I want. And then you do something and it goes real bad. And you're like, God, why'd you put me here? God's like, what? What? And so what happens here in this moment is there's a lack of confession in the story. There's a lack of this moment of healing where confession can enter into the story and we can begin the healing process. The beautiful thing about God is God begins the healing process anyway. Genesis 3.15 is what's called the proto-euangelion, the pre-gospel. That God says, hey, I know this is a mess and don't worry, there will be offspring from the woman that will come in and the offspring of the serpent, yes, her offspring is going to crush your head. You're going to bruise his heel, okay? He's going to crush your head. We're going to, I'm going to rescue them. Even though they didn't confess, even though they got it wrong, even though I have every right to be angry and disappointed, I am going to deal with this. And there's going to be a guy, and his name is Jesus, and he's my son, and he's going to rescue everyone. So don't worry, I'm making it right. Fall, rescue, redemption. Right, this is the story for so many of us. But in the middle of the fall and the rescue and the redemption, we can find confession and we can find healing in the process. We can begin to find this moment where we can be freed from some of these things. Notice what they say. They say, I was afraid. And fear runs with two things, ignorance and shame. I'm not saying they did, like ignorance is in, they didn't know what was going on. Ignorance is in, they didn't know what to say. You ever been there in a moment in your life where you just, something happened and you're just like, uh, uh, what happened? I don't know what to say, right? We have a law written into like our bill of rights, like plead the fifth, don't talk. You don't know what to say, don't talk. Right? Because what you say can be and will be used against you. That's some news for some of y'all. Stop talking. That's what I tell my kids sometimes. Stop talking. You are unloading a lot here. I'm going to have to process a lot of this. We were just talking about if you ate dessert early. Okay? No one got into the broken window stuff, but you just let it out. With God, we never want to plead the fifth. We always want to get it out. Why? Because we know who he is and his grace and mercy meets us right where our sin is. And it's greater than it. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And so we can go in full faith to the Father, confessing what he already knows, but it can bring healing into our life. And so ignorance is this idea that I don't know what to say, Adam and Eve. They could have just said, you know what? I'm sorry. I did eat from the tree. I'm sorry. What do they do instead? That woman, that serpent, that situation, that person, that TV program, that Instagram ad, that person who reached out to me from high school on Facebook, they're the problem. I'm sorry. You can't fix things you don't own. So just take ownership. 
as much as you can. And I know that there's some things that happen to you in your life, but do not put healing of the perpetrator of your soul into the hands of the person who hurt you in the first place. You got to own it. You have to own it. You can't rely on the person who wounded you to heal you. Does it work that way? And so we got to own all that we can. And confession is a place where we can do that. But the other thing that you and I face so much in our life is shame. How do we know that Adam and Eve feel shameful? They covered their nakedness and then they hid. And both of these things will pause your prayer life. Both of these feelings, both of these things work together. I don't know what to say, so I'm just not going to say anything. I'm just going to stop talking to God. And then shame. Man, what I did was so bad, I can't talk to you because I'm so different than you. And God gives us an answer for both of these things in the word of God. Right? Because like a lot of us in this room, we, we are delaying our healing because we're holding everything in. And the first reason is because we just don't know what to say. I just, I don't even know where to start. And so I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to offend anyone. Like I just, I don't know where to start. Romans chapter eight, verses 26 to 28 says this. In the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness, our inability to speak. We do not know what we ought to pray for. We don't know what we should say. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he searches our hearts, knows the, mind and knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for good, those who love him. He works all things together for good for those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. That's a weird disclaimer. That's a disclaimer statement. Right? God's going to send his spirit to intercede for you. And here, I want you to know this. When it all goes bad, God works it all for good. That's a disclaimer. Hey, what does that mean? They're in a bad situation. And they don't have the words to describe to God how bad it really is. And God says, I want to hear from you so much. I'm going to send you a personal interpreter. I can see your heart. And can see your mind and whisper to me your agony, your fear, your shame. And I know that's how important you are to God. That is how important you are. That he so wants to understand you. And he so wants you to understand him. That he sends his spirit into our lives as an interpreter to make sure we're okay. You are loved. You are loved, so loved that he wants to hear you. And even when you don't have the words to say, he says, I got it. Don't worry. I'll explain this for you. You don't need the words. And so a lot of us stop our prayer life because we just don't know what to say. Let God say it for you. I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to say. I feel so much shame and so much guilt and so much anger that I just don't even have words. And God goes, that's okay. I wanted to understand you so much that I sent my spirit to make sure you were heard and to make sure that you could hear me. Don't stop talking, even if you don't have words. How many of us know you can talk without words? My wife is awesome at this. 
if you ever come to eat dinner with us and we try some new food, just if you want to know how the restaurant is, just look at Kelsey. Because she'll try something and she'll be like, mm. and I'm like, how, and she's, how is it? I know everything that was just said. She just didn't have the words to describe it. But I understood it. Why? Because I interpreted what was going on. In the same way, you may not have the words, but God does. God has the understanding. And so for you and I in this room, maybe you're dealing with something so radical in your life. And the confession needs to be, I don't have words to describe this. So I'm just going to sit here in silence. And I'm going to allow your spirit to speak for me. And would you please talk back? I just don't have the words right now. I'm so disappointed. I so don't understand. I so don't have all of these things. And you get the disclaimer statement from Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. It's a disclaimer statement for messy situations. No one says that when you're on the mountaintop. Oh, all God works all things together for good. You're good. You're there. It's when you're in the valley of the shadow of death, in the darkness, in the hurt, in the pain, when the lights are off in your soul and in your life and the monsters are there and you are dominated by these things and you say, man, I don't know what you're going to do. And God goes, I know I got a disclaimer statement. It's Romans 8, 28. I'd like you to memorize it. I don't have the words right now. I know, but I do. I've got you. I love you. I'm going to make sure there's nothing between us. Confess it. Say it. But the other thing that kind of like dominates our life is this idea of hiding. Let me ask you a question. Are you hiding from your healing? Let me ask you a better question. Are you hiding from your healer? What happened in Genesis? Genesis chapter 3 verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of day. Probably was a really comforting sound. Really exciting sound. Anybody had like their dad or their mom go on a trip for a little while or someone you love so much, your spouse or whatever, kids, and they leave and then you hear the car door close and you're like, they're here. Yes, yes. Unless you did something wrong. <laughs> right? Because I've been there as a kid. My parents went on a date. I was... I like put Listerine in the dog bowl because their breath's not like all kinds of stuff. And then I hear the car door and I'm like, they're here, right? Like, oh no. This is what happened to Adam and Eve. God used to walk in the garden and he's like, he's here. He's here. I can't wait. Oh, we're going to spend time with God. And then right after this moment, Fear and shame and guilt and all of these things entered the situation. They didn't know what to say and they knew that they were naked and they knew that they had done what they shouldn't have. And it's like the door closing in the driveway and it's like, oh no, he's here. He's here. And so what did they do? They hid. But the only place that Adam and Eve were going to find healing was in him. But they were hiding from their healer. Why? Because shame, guilt, and fear are punks and they will steal from you the truth. Confession is a place where God heals us. And some of us are hiding from it right now in our life. We're hiding from the truth of the word of God. We are overwhelmed in this moment. Listen to what Tyler Stanton says. The instinctive human response to sin is hiding. Right away, hiding. 
Adam and Eve realized that they were naked and sewed fig leaves together to hide from each other. They hid, they, they heard God's footsteps approaching them, so they hid from God in the brush. Naked and ashamed instantly became covered in ashamed. They hid. They hid from each other. They hid from God. They hid from everything that was good in their life. They hid from the one who could heal them. Confession is our way for us to bring to light what is keeping us from God. Confession. I did this. This happened. This is what went on. And some of us just think that it's, well, he already knows. So why do I need to say it? Because confession isn't for him, it's for us. Right? Even the Bible says that we are to confess our sins to one another so that we may be healed. Now, I wouldn't have everyone stand up in the meeting right now and just start saying the worst junk of your life. Okay? So here's what I would tell you to do. We're open with all, we're intimate with few. Yep, this is the truth, I've messed up. How I messed up, that's intimacy, and that goes to certain people that I trust in my life. You can always trust God with your junk. I want you to think about this. Confession is like turning on the light in your soul. Where it's like the stuff that hurts you, the stuff that has upset you, the stuff that you've done that you're so ashamed of that you hid in the back room of the house of your soul and you turn the light off and lock the door and said, don't go in there. There's monsters in there. Don't open that door. You won't like what you see in there. And God's like, we don't have monsters in the house. Let's open the door and turn on the light. See, it's not so bad. Confession is, there it is. God goes, yeah, I know. Let's deal with it. Let's dominate it. Let's get it out of the house. It's time for you to live free, son or daughter. It's time for you to live in hope, son or daughter. I love you. I love you so much that I want to enter into your life. And God will allow you to hide things in your life for as long as you want to do it. It's like this, my kids. There was an instance a few months ago where I watched what happened, okay? So I watched this incident take place. I walked in, and I was like, hey, heard something going on here. What, what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. Things look a little disheveled. Anything going on here? Nothing. Nothing. Okay, cool. No problem. Hey, you guys are such, like, you're wonderful. Okay, you said nothing happened? No problem. You guys want popcorn? You want a treat? Huh? They knew that I knew, but they wouldn't say. So I just said, okay, cool. Hey, when you guys come down, there's popcorn waiting for you. Love you. Everything's okay. Ten minutes later, what happens? <laughs> Quivering lip. <laughs> you know, the ugly, like, <laughs> you know, that kind of cry. What's up? What's going on? Dad, I got to tell you what happened. Something did happen. Okay. This is what happened. And then I said, I know. I know what happened. I was listening. I'm always listening. And so, and I said, but in order for this to be healed, you had to bring it forward. And now that you've brought it forward, now we're ready to deal with it. Because your soul is like, okay, let's deal with this. Some of us, this is you right now. You're hiding things, and God's going, I know. 
I'm ready to go into the room. I'm ready to turn on the light right now. Nothing happened. No, 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 no. Don't you go in there. God's like, but I'm the Lord of your whole life, so we don't hide rooms from me. Let's go get this. And then you see, you see it, and he goes, I know. I was there when it happened. But now I'm ready to heal it. I'm ready because confession has brought us near to each other. Sin is a divider. Confession and faith and belief in Jesus is a uniter. It brings us closer to him because here is the reality of our life. Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. And I know that as we talk about some of these heavy things, you guys are replaying moments in your mind. You're replaying these these moments that like tore your life apart. But here's the reality. Jesus is with you. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15, it says this, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize. Everyone say empathize with our weaknesses. That word's really important. I'm going to tell you why in just a second. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Let me read this quote to you. We're going to get into some Greek, but this is where Greek actually gets cool. The Greek word translated to empathize is a compound word, sympatheo. Say sympatheo. You guys didn't know you could speak Greek. There you go. Don't go to a Greek restaurant and be like, I have some sympatheo. They're going to be like, what? Sympatheo is a compound word of two Greek words. The first word being pasco, meaning to suffer. The other part of the compound word is a prefix, sun, S-U-N, which means with. Sympatheo literally translates suffer with. So let me read the verse again, and let's go back to the Greek. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to suffer with us. Suffer with us. Jesus is with you. Jesus is in this moment that you feel like in your life right now that you are in this pit of despair and you are in this moment and you're in this hole. And some of us feel like God stands at the top of the pit and goes, what did you do? When the Bible says that we have a high priest who sympathizes us, suffers with us, what does that mean? He gets down in the hole with you. He suffers with you. He sits there in this moment with you as you are suffering. That's how Jesus deals with our sin. He suffers with us, suffers the consequences of our thoughts, our action, and our disordered desires, suffers the subtle agony of hiding and pretending and presenting a preferred self that traps us in perpetual insecurity, suffers the estrangement from God we willfully choose by managing a sin pattern we've grown tired of confessing rather than bringing it into the light of his inexhaustible love. We're managing it. We're sitting here in this, in the, you know, this pit isn't so bad. I mean, it's not like I can see the sun. It's not so bad down here, right? You weren't made a gopher, so you're not meant to live in a pit. And the Bible tells us that we have a great high priest who co-suffers with us that gets down into the pit of our despair 
and does all of these things. And he suffers with us. And the Bible says that the way to get the ladder out, to jump on Jesus' back, and he'll take us out of the pit, is to what? Confess. I'm down here. I'm sorry. Will you save me? Because here's the reality. Jesus wants to heal you. Jesus wants to heal you. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. God loves you and doesn't want you suffering. But confession is the place where you and I join with God and say, hey, here's what it is. I don't want anything here anymore. And I believe in your goodness that you will rescue me. And I believe, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, and I am tired of hiding. And I am weary of carrying this in my soul. And I am overwhelmed by this. And so I believe in your word that when you say, come to me, who, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How does Jesus give us rest? He doesn't hold up your hands while you're holding heavy things. Jesus says, give me heavy things and I'll take care of it. He's not a God that's like a stilt. Man, this is hard. Oh, let me hold your hands up, bud. Yeah, let's keep doing this, bud. No, what does Jesus say? Hand it to me. Give me that. Yeah, I got it. My burden is light. The burden you've been carrying is heavy. And so I tell you what. You give me your sin, your shame, your guilt, your fear. I will give you my life, my light, my joy, and my healing. Let's make a deal. It's like Maria, price is right. Come on down. Come on down. It's time because Jesus wants to heal you. So listen to this quote. How do we take Jesus up on his power to heal? Confession. Confession is how we turn to him, look him in the eye, and acknowledge his presence here with us, not to judge, but to rescue. Confession is where your back has been turned to God because of this wedge, and God's always right there. He didn't turn his back on you. And confession is where we're going to do a 180, because with confession comes repentance, and we turn towards God, we look him in the eye, and we say, this is what happened. And God goes, I know, let's get out of here. This is something that is not talked about enough in our prayer lives. Why? Because it's going to ask us to give of the worst of us to receive the best of God. Some of us, our wounds are comforting because we just learned to live with them. So we just live with them. And God's like, but you weren't made to live like that. I, I want to heal that. I want to renew that. I want you to experience something you cannot even fathom. So let's get it to the light. Let's confess it. Confession in our culture means guilt. Why? Because we're admitting to something that no one else saw. Confession in God's culture is not admitting to guilt. It's acknowledging that it already happened and God knows already about it. So it's not like all of a sudden you say something, God's like, what? I didn't, whoa, that back room is messed up. God's like, no, and I, I sent Jesus to die for that. That right there, that monster, that thing in your life that is dominating you was nailed to a tree. And what is killing you couldn't kill Jesus. And so he rose again and it is dead. 
It is gone. It is put in a grave. And all the goodness of God rose again. And all the badness of us was buried. Confession is our place of healing. Confession is our place where we bring it to light and we start the healing process. And so here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to be a buffalo and not a cow. Why this? Because you'll remember it. I'm not talking about physically. No one get upset. I want you to be a buffalo and not a cow. Why? Hebrews 4, 15, and then 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are that did not sin. Now what do we need to do? Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive the mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. There's one major difference between cows and buffalo or bison. When there's a storm in life, cows run. In fact, if they're not penned up, cows will keep running, keep moving away from the storm. They'll keep moving away from what is happening until they are exhausted or they run out of land. And then they stop. And now the storm that was always coming is going to dominate them more because they're tired, exhausted, and confused. Buffalo are different. Buffalo, when they know that a storm is coming, they will turn and directly walk into the storm that is coming. Why? Because they instinctually know, if I walk into the mess, I'll get out of the mess quicker. If I walk into the storm, I will get to where I need to be safe quicker. What does Hebrews tell us to do? To what? Approach the throne of God. How do you and I approach the throne of God? Confession. We walk through the storm with him as we approach him. Caleb, come up here. He didn't know I was going to do this to him. I didn't know I was going to do this, but I need you guys to see this. Come on, Caleb. Stand right here. I'm not God, but I'm going to be like in the throne right now. God doesn't go like this. Come on. Come on. It's too much, right? This is what God does. No, son. I'm going to send my spirit. I've already sent Jesus. I'm sending my spirit, and this is what's going to happen. We're going to co-suffer together. We're going to go through this pit, but we're going to get to dad. We're going to get to the throne, and you're going to be okay, and you're going to be healed because I'm right here with you. I am co-suffering with you. You're not alone. Good. Thank you. Yeah, give him a hand. What a lot of us do is we see the storm, and we see the throne, and we feel the shame, so we run from God. Listen to this as we end here. Danielle's going to come up. Psalm 51 is what it looks like to walk into the storm, to approach the throne of God and to find him in confession. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For what? I know my transgressions. Confession. I know them. How do I know them? And my sin is always before me. It's right there in HD. I see it. Against you, you only have I sinned. And that was what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. 
Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. Cleanse me, God. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And when I've gone through it all, and when all of this has happened, then, verse 13, I will teach your transgressors your ways. I'll teach them your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me, God, from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. I can't pay for this. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken heart. Repentance. A broken and contrite heart, God, you will not despise. Confession. Confession. This is David praying. It's all before me. And I got to get through this. And the only way to get through this and get to you is if you help me through this. And we know that Jesus wants to heal us and he is with us and he will walk through the storm. And so confession is our way to start taking those steps of faith to begin to go. And when you in confession believe in the goodness of God, now you can start asking. You can start asking in faith and believing in faith that yes, you may not be qualified, but God qualified you through your faith in him. And so today the Bible says this one thing, Confession is so important to our faith that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So confession is how we receive him. Confession is how we get through all of this. Confession brings healing. And so today, as we respond through song, I'm gonna ask you that if you need to come down here and pray,